Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinaud. And I'm Art Gelwicks. Thank you so much for being here with me, gentlemen. We are going to be continuing our discussion from last episode, where we were talking about two distinct books, When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing by Dan Pink and The Power of When by Dr. Michael Bruce. So if you have not listened to that episode, go ahead and jump back an episode and listen to that episode on chronotypes and Optimal Productivity, which is the name of the episode, and then hop on back over here and continue on, where today we are going to be talking about our reflections on our own ideal daily schedules and really fleshing out for for, for you how we approach some of these pieces that might be in confluence or may be in conflict with the our chronotypes. And I think that'll be a, a fun, interesting discussion for us all this morning. Art, before we got started recording, you had a uh, an interesting kind of starter question, I think, uh, that you had posited to to Augusto. Do you want to start with that and we'll kind of go from there? Sure. The question in basically was, if you've studied your chronotype and you understand which one you are, if you find you're not following that chronotype, is it because you're making a conscious effort to not follow it? Or is it because the rest of your life is pushing you to a different one? So for example, I, by definition right now, am a lion. And that works pretty well with my regular daily life schedule. But there are days that my chronotype would be much better suited if I was a wolf for example. I don't make a conscious effort to try and change it because like I said, it seems to work pretty well for me right now. Uh, But I'm just curious if that's something, if you find you're not matching your chronotype, are you doing it by choice or are you doing it by force? You know, mine is exactly the opposite. When I went into the book, the chronotype that I'm identifying with the wolf, that by the way, it's to the teeth, okay? I love, because I love the silence, okay? I love the non-interruption. I love all that part of working. So the wolf works for me so well. And I did it for many, many, many years. What happened is I live sadly on a different schedule than the wolf. When I was younger, I could go in two or three hours of sleep, you know, work all night and then go back and have normal life. Okay. That stopped working at some point. Um, and I begin analyzing. That was one. Two, the other thing I discovered, and I wrote about it on, on, on the 4 a.m. book, is in order for me to be the wolf, because I have a normal life in the day, I need to decompress. So what happened is I go, and then finally when I get that quiet for the wolf, okay, I need maybe half an hour, maybe two hours to decompress, okay? And then I'm on full push. The problem with that is then I go to bed at 3, 4 in the morning, and I need to wake up at 6. It really doesn't work well. So years ago, 
I begin trying the opposite. Say, well, what if instead of decompressing, I just go to bed and wake up at four in the morning? Because what I discover with the wolf is I really get after decompression and all that, a couple of hours of good work. Mostly because, well, I'm up since six in the morning, by four in the morning, I'm dead. So if I flip it and I start waking up at four in the morning, I could get first super fresh because I'm going to be completely rested. And those two first hours between four and six are incredibly, incredibly productive for me. That allows me to really be effective on on what I'm doing and allows me to really get a lot more done during my day. But I admit it that I that is basically a conscious decision to push towards a lion schedule more than what the chronotype is. You know, I I've been waking up at four in the morning for a really long time and it is a still a struggle. It is a conscious decision I need to make every day. Yeah, that's so unique and different than my own because as I said in the last episode, I was surprised to find out and relieved to find out that I was a dolphin in the in the Michael Bruce sleep chronotype categories. And so here I am living my life like a lion when in reality I was and am a dolphin. I mean, every way that I could look at the dolphin chronotype, sleep chronotype, I recognize myself in it. A little different than a horoscope where you can find yourself in a horoscope. In my particular case, I did the I did the temperature test, you know, I did I I've looked at it from every angle and it's true. I I probably uh, am a am a dolphin. And uh, it justifies, or at least it explains why I've had such a difficult time with sleep my entire life. Remarkably, as I said in the last episode, it's been a relief to not have to feel like, oh, there's I'm doing something wrong with regard to sleep. It's just that sleep is different for me. So that was very that was just very cathartic. That was very, you know, and therapeutic. So that was a good part. Um, in terms of your question, Art, in terms of how I'm I'm operating in what I believe as close to what I can do as a dolphin. So for for as a recap for folks, uh, dolphins. I'm actually reading here off of um, the Bulletproof blog here because it has a good description of it for everybody. But it says dolphins may or may not, may may or may not have a a regular sleep routine. Uh, they're light sleepers and wake up frequently throughout the night and often don't sleep enough. Uh, dolphins struggle to fall asleep and they ruminate over the day's failures. It says dolphins' extreme intelligence and tendency toward perfectionism probably explain why they spend so much time chewing over the day. They do their best work from mid-morning through early afternoon. And that is, other than struggling to fall asleep, which is, is not an every night affair for me, but it does on occasion. Um, the everything else about the description in the book is to the T, and uh, that's a that's just a unique component of my life that I really, you know, I'd given quite a bit of thought to. But until the power of when, I hadn't seen a lot of material that wasn't in the category of some kind of sleep disorder, as opposed to. This is just the way you are. And so for anybody who does take the test and is also a dolphin, 
you probably sense the same kind of relief I did, which is that there's not something wrong with you, uh, that there is just really a different way of experiencing sleep that not everybody not everybody feels. It's just a very different experience. I'm just trying to do as many things that Dr. Bruce talks about in the book to align myself with the social aspects of the other people in my life. Uh, you know, so a lot of people don't in in the power of when Dr. Bruce really goes into the perspective that we're either trying to be in synchrony with our bio time and or with our, the social world. In my case, I'm trying to align contrary to the dolphin to be with the more social aspects of my life, you know, that is home life, work life, those kinds of things, uh, even though being a dolphin doesn't necessarily make that optimal for me. I also need to work from an, an ideal, kind of an ideal daily schedule since that mid-morning to mid-afternoon time frame for me is supposed to be my peak and it doesn't it doesn't typically feel that way for me. I need to I need to realign my schedule, I realized, so that I could be more productive in that period of time. And that meant figuring out which parts were kind of peak energy times for me, peak mental energy, and moving other things out of that space that would otherwise dominate that space. So I needed to to rework my schedule for that purpose. So I've done quite a lot to try to make it more available to me, not the opposite. You talking about these situations uh, reminds me of a challenge that I face trying to adjust related to if we want to segment it, productive time versus social time, because my productive time is so heavily slanted to the morning and earlier in the day, if I want to maintain social time later in the evening, I basically have to decide that I'm going to sacrifice the next day. Because if I stay up really late just to be socially interactive, I'm not going to be getting up at the same time the next morning, which throws that whole day's schedule off. Now, if we think about like weekends, for example, everybody said, oh yeah, sleep in on the weekends. That's actually not as easy as you would think. If you're, and lots of people are this way, if you're wired like I am, where you have the, you know, the habitual wake up at 5, 5.30 in the morning and start your day, well, your internal clock doesn't know the difference between Friday and Saturday. It just knows when the sun's coming up. So if you've shifted or you've kind of sabotaged your schedule to encourage the social aspect in the previous evening, the next day is basically shot. I found, <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I found as I've been getting older, that's a harder thing to recover from. And it's kind of the old, I could eat a full pizza and now I'm lucky I can eat a piece. This is a cha challenge that I'm having to take into consideration when I plan my day, something I never had to worry about before. You know, if I'm looking at a schedule for three days and I know I'm going to have social activities in the night on one of the days... I have to say, okay, the next day after that, that morning is going to be pretty useless. So I don't want to put anything on the schedule for that morning. It's just, it adds one more complicating factor. It's important to understand it, but it's another variable that I have to take into the, into the equation. Yeah, I have to say that I relate very much to the, if I, if I sacrifice this evening, that I'm sacrificing 
at least the good a good part of the next day's productivity. It depends on whether I have meetings, but if I have if I just have uh, discretionary productive time, that usually has to be moved. You know, by the time I'm I'm done with the evening's activities, if if for some reason I've had wine or I've been up too late, then <laughs> then that whole next that whole next morning is pretty much it's just not going to be as productive for me. I'm going to find myself more distracted. I'm going to find myself producing less quality work. And so for the most part, I try not to compromise that. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I totally understand. Now here, here's a question though, and this is something that I've started doing. I'm not consistent about it yet, but I've been trying to start doing it is changing the type of work based on what I've, think will be my energy level during a time period. So if, let's take our Friday, Saturday example. Start a normal Friday, starts at 5, 5.30 in the morning, runs the full day. Work My technical work finishes it up around 3. So I want to have some social time the evening. All of a sudden, it's 11 o'clock before I get back in the house. Now, that's a, been a long day. Yeah, I know I'm old. 11 o'clock's not that late, but bear with me. So now I have to say, okay, what am I going to be able to do the next morning? I don't, I've tried to get into the habit of not planning things that are going to require a great deal of mental focus and energy to accomplish, but the physical part may be okay. So instead of planning the next morning that I'm going to get up and do writing or write some podcast scripts or anything like that, it's going to be, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do cleaning around the house, I'm going to do yard work, I'm going to do physical motion activities rather than cognitive activities. Because I know my cognitive capabilities are going to be pretty much mush for a few hours the next morning. That's been helpful when I'm able to get myself to do it. But it does require adding even that much more into my planning cycle. I'm curious if you guys do anything similar and that is the problem is the extra planning because it's also not if you will plan it every friday i will do social life so every saturday i need to plan for that then it will get into a more semi-automatic process the right now it's as you describe is based on when that happened but it's interesting because for me as i said i'm a wolf Okay, so when I the, my, what kills me is the lion, not the wolf. I can go in the social life, come home late, okay, and then be fully ready to go into my home office and work for two more hours, okay, because my problem is the life of the lion, you know, is what constrains me as soon as, and that's the reason I need to decompress, but as soon as I'm relaxed, then that wolf can go. And, and go for really, really long times. The problem is, as I said, I try to live the life of a lion. So when I, even that I have a great time, the next morning, one, I cannot recover as fast as I used to, sadly. Okay, but two, what happened now is that lion suffers because the, the, because it's not a lion, it's really you know, a wolf waking up early. And I feel more like Willy Coyote than really a wolf that is even sadder. But, you know, um, but what I have been able to do that has been successful is I can plan a small burst of wolf work, okay? 
And then I plan, okay, I'm going to get Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, okay? And I'm going to go into a wealth schedule. And then Sunday, it's going to be for recovery. So that way, Monday, I can go back to that lion schedule. And when I'm able to do that, then I'm able to get a significant amount of things moving forward. And I leave that Sunday for things that are maintenance, low brain power, low physical. Okay. And in so many cases, you know, I, I recommend this. I have recommended this for years. I believe you need to have a day where you do all your low priority stuff, okay, or as many as you can. So when I go into those cycles where I can get two or three days in a row to the wall, then the next day, the fourth day, is for it's perfect for those low priority things that then I am not on the brain of saying this need to move, but I'm well, this has waited three months, you know, if waits if take me an hour to get it done, it will be okay. And then I'm not giving pressure to the lion but the wolf was really happy the last three days you know you just used an interesting phrase that kind of stuck in my head you threw out the phrase wolf work and i wonder if as we start to think about chronotypes more deeply if it wouldn't benefit us to start to identify the types of work we have associated with the chronotype that it's most likely to be able to be done. That didn't make any sense. Let me explain. Uh, Work like, for example, my writing. If I have to do some writing, I find that the best time for me to do writing is actually either around 11 o'clock in the morning or around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, those are both technically lion times. But I find that my podcast recording is best in the late evening. So that's, that's really wolf work, if I think about it. Maybe by identifying when that stuff fits, we can plan around how to best put it into our cycle. Rather than, here's what I'm worried about. We're getting into a concept where we say that the only time we can truly be productive is during our chronotype during that identified period. And I don't believe that's the case at all. I wrote an article recently about 24-hour productivity, and I, and I truly believe that. I think we can be productive all the time if we set expectations around what productive truly means. So, But I think tying these to the chronotypes might be helpful for people to be able to put these in boxes to work with, or I could be completely off target. No, I, I actually agree with you completely. That's one of the challenging things is to understand when you can be productive on what, you know, and that's one. And two is what tools you need to be productive with. For example, my writing, I can write in a different times if, and only if I can put loud music. You can, doesn't matter if you give me the morning, doesn't matter. If you cannot play loud music for some reason, I struggle with the writing. So that makes it hard when I'm trying to do it, you know, at two in the morning. And my family do not appreciate uh, me playing loud music at that time. I don't know. Uh, but, it's, but if you plan it properly, then you can go into what what you just said, the 24-hour high productivity stages, because what you do 
what you can do is figure it out what productive means when. You know, when I said you should have at least one day a month when you do low priority stuff, for most people's perspective, that is completely unproductive. Why? Why am I going to spend time doing low product, low priority stuff? And the reason for that is because it gets the stinkiness out of your system. Okay. Otherwise, you have things on your systems that are not valid anymore. Okay. Everybody has stuff on their system that has days, that has months, even years. Okay. That are low priority. That's the reason are still there. Okay. But when you look at that, you don't delete it. You look at that and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to still do this someday. Okay. Then why you don't spend half a day at least or a day, a month, okay, where you now go and flip your system upside down and start from that low priority. And the expectation is that I'm not doing anything important today. I'm cleaning the low priority things. And when you play with the chronotype, and you flip them that way, or you go to your social life, as you were dis- discussing, and you know you are going to be not on your prime, okay? That's the perfect time to plan, to plug all those things. Because now, if it takes you, if you are on your high productive time, and you spend an hour doing something low priority, it feels as if you were completely inefficient. But if you know you are going to be slower, tired, okay, not in not in the top of your condition, then that's a perfect time because it doesn't matter how long it takes. What matters is that it's getting out of the system things that may have had months in the system. Something that I frequently have talked to everybody who will listen, which is that they need to, in some way, shape, or form, create awareness of their, of what they do throughout the day and the only way that I've learned to understand that is objectively through collecting data. We've, we've done episodes on data tracking, active and passive data tracking, so I suggest people go back to those. But if you want to know more about yourself so that you could be more productive, you need to spend some time tracking. There's the heat mapping tool from Productive Flourishing. There are so many great ways in which you can track just enough data so that you know enough about yourself to then inform how you're going to know what your energies are and knowing what kind of, as Art was saying, you know, chronotype based work needs to be done, whether it's wolf work or dolphin work, or I hope nobody has any dolphin work. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, well, I guess, I guess you could have dolphin work since their, their peak period is, is that mid mid morning to early afternoon time, uh, you know, or whatever uh, you, you need to, you need to know when your peak periods are so that you're able to then align the right work with the right time of day in conjunction with the, with your, current calendar because you'll know that if you're going to have a productive day and you have a meeting at that time when you're supposed to be most effective mentally well maybe move the meeting right if it's not if it's not as important for you to meet to talk about the budget at 10 a.m and you know 10 a.m is your really the best time of day for you to do this thing and if it's going to be just as fine for you to have the budget meeting at 1 p.m then do that maybe. Uh, you know, it just depends on what the what the outcomes are and, and take into account Dan Pink's 
uh, perspective on this, which is that if there needs to be some important decision made, that important decision should be made earlier in the day than later. People make decisions, you know, more positive decisions uh, later in the day. So if you're trying to get something approved in your budget, then maybe you do want to keep that meeting earlier in the day before whomever has to make the decision is hungry. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think that's a that's a, a key point in all of this. I, I wanted to um, turn us over in um, the last part of our conversation regarding the changing nature of work today. There are, at least in my perspective, there are many discussions happening among many different audiences. I know that the New York Times recently had an event about the changing world of work. Uh, everyone's talking about the future of work, and there have been several uh, seminars and conferences that I've attended on that subject. And a lot of this is based on the fact that we have a number of different things happening. We have a job market that is changing based on automation and globalization. We have more people getting the opportunity to do remote work, I think more people are becoming aware of different job opportunities at a younger age. And those job opportunities are morphing faster than ever before. You know, when when I came into the work world, I thought you had one job, you did that job, and then you died. And I've been very surprised in my own career by the fact that I now have had several careers in you know a short period of time and a short span of life, I suppose. And so I'm curious from from you both, and uh, in terms of how that's going to affect chronotypes, how that is going to affect how we decide what ideal ideal daily routines are from this perspective. So think about it this way: if everybody thinks about the bear as the as the you know the standard they're the norm because they're they're the majority and we all kind of work around the bear's schedule we all uh pun intended lionize the lion uh you know chronotype because they're the ones who are the early risers and there's so many articles that praise early risers when in reality that is bunk and yet as as we get more people working remotely on their own schedules and pay for performance is now a, a thing, we are seeing more people more concerned about their results than they are about showing up at their desk at 9 a.m. and looking like they're productive when their boss walks in the door. So now that we actually have some of the pieces there, are we going to see changes in the way in which people operate because the norms and the, the mores are changing as well. Well, I definitely think we're going to start to see some change there. Uh, there's The struggle is not so much from my perspective on the people doing the work. It's on leadership and management. And here's what I mean. If I'm a project manager and I'm assembling a team that has the option to do remote work, uh, is in an environment that is results focused rather than time executed for focus, you know, not punching the time clock as per se. One of the best things I could do for myself would be to figure out the chronotypes of every member of my team and make sure that the expectations of delivery match their greatest periods of productivity. 
So I'll take a couple of typical roles. Software developers by nature are typically, and again, I'm, I'm generalizing here, typically wolves because they, they have a tendency to work later on in the app, in the evenings, they work late into the night. Uh, it's just the way they execute. Whereas most administrative focused people like project managers are more lions. They're focused earlier in the day, primarily because they're compelled to be in standard business hour meetings. So that you wind up with this dichotomy between the two groups that you have to plan for. I think as we start to see the workplace change and move towards finally recognizing that being at the desk for 40 hours means nothing when it comes to getting work done, we'll finally start to understand that optimizing for people's best way to execute is the best way to work. Working from home, working remotely, it, it's the way it has to be. We have the technology now compared to 10 years, even, even five years ago, uh, where people can work anywhere at any time and do whatever they need. The challenge of that is that we have this mindset that if you can work, you should be working. And I, I jump all over that because I think if you can work and you're doing it smart, you shouldn't have to be. You should be able to do this in a way that boosts that quality of life that you have that, you know, honestly, I think many of our, our previous generations sacrificed to be able to do those 40, 45, 50, 60 hour weeks to get things done. Whereas now we can accomplish the same in less time. If we do it right, if we think right, if we provide some insight and intellect around these problems, we don't have to spend eight hours a day, five days a week at the same desk. We can work on it at home. We can work on things in a coffee shop. We can work on... Now, I know that's not the case for everybody. But I think as we move closer to that, we have to start talking to... And this is where I'm going to get in on my education soapbox. We have to start talking to kids in the classroom to under, get them to understand that just because they go to school for a fixed amount of time each day, that's not the way they have to work once they're out of school. Yeah, there's definitely two pieces there, right? There's there's the management and management has their hands full because you need to not only be and do what you're talking about, which is identifying the types of of workers that you have on your team but you also need to motivate them by helping them using kind of the fun trendy term like living their best life people are motivated when you're helping them and and then the other side is in education we need to we need to make sure that that kids are getting educated so i absolutely agree with you those are two very important things to me for some reason and at some time, don't ask me when, okay, people got into this idea that you need to be, you know, only one career so you can get to be the expert, so you can be good, so you can be successful, okay? And I remember as a kid, my parents telling me that, you know, hey, you know, you need to focus into into be one, one career. I remember the first time I read... Uh, the biography of 
Benjamin Franklin, okay, and how he not only had multiple careers, but multiple interesting careers. Okay, and I remember the excitement when I bring the book to my parents. I'd say, look, look, this is what I mean to what I want to do. Okay. And my parents were not that amused to still to this day. But um that concept that you can have a main line and maybe side jobs and maybe different careers, it's now a lot more accepted. Not because the acceptance necessarily has changed, but because we know now of more success cases that we can use as an example. Used to be that those people who were jumping from career to career were considered more failure than successes. Therefore, people were advising you to avoid that like the plague. Now we are seeing, we have been able to see a lot of more or more of those successes happening constantly. So that way people is more interested in to see, in to experience that firsthand. My, my thoughts here are, are very much aligned with what Art said in terms of the fact that we need to work on both ends of the spectrum, the current active employed population and or the employable population because i'm sure there's a there's a a group of people who are unemployed who also need to be um, brought into the work environment as we see more automation and globalization take hold and we need we need everybody at the table to really you know uh, help make productivity a a discussion at the table because ultimately not maybe ultimately, but penultimately, it is what allows um, the the driving of sales and deliverables, which you know is kind of the point of having a business. And so, if we if we can if we can deal with things on that end, and we can deal with the education, you know, what I would consider a broken education system, one that does not facilitate teaching children how to uh, be productive in the future workforce that they're going to join while not teaching them fulfillment, how to be fulfilled in life, I, I think that's kind of the, the point of, of, of an education system is preparing them for those two pieces. And, uh, and, and there can be a, a healthy, I think, healthy argument for and against those points, but I think it's one that needs to be had. So I, I will say that, you know, we are, we are definitely seeing and experiencing the, the relics of what was once upon a time really uh you know most of culture and 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 work culture today we are experiencing through laws that were passed by congress and and signed into law by by the president at the time the reality is is that we can change fairly quickly too if the right I don't want to say necessarily rules we don't necessarily need laws in order to to make these things happen but through good guidelines, through you know everybody coming together, sitting at the table and saying, "Okay, let's all do this together." There can be market change very, very quickly, and uh, and I think that that will help us all. I think we really do need. I think we do need it. I mean, that's just my perspective from a from a personal productivity perspective. I mean, you know, there's there are good arguments on on all sides about uh, some of these topics, but 
if if the if the true path forward is a more productive and fulfilling life then we all need to figure out how to help our you know all of us do that together and so all right well this has been fun uh this has been a great episode so for those of you who have been listening, if you have a question or a comment about this cast, this topic, or something else we discussed, you can, uh, if you're on the podcast website, we have a comment section at the bottom of every episode. Feel free to leave us a comment there, and one of us will be glad to respond. If you have a question you want to send to us that's not related to a specific episode, feel free to head over to productivitycast.net forward slash contact and you can fill out the form or record an audio or a voice message directly in your browser and uh, that'll be sent off to us Uh, there at productivitycast.net you'll also find the show notes which have links to everything that we discussed if there's something missing let me know and we'll make sure we get that up there and uh, there also is all the information on how to subscribe to the podcast on the website and uh, with that if you are listening in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or another app that gives you the ability to leave a rating or review, please do that. That helps to grow our personal productivity listening community. And so it's very helpful to us. And thank you. Uh, that brings us to the close of this episode of Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Thanks to Augusto and Art for joining me here on this cast. And uh, take care. Here's to your productive life, everybody. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. <laughs>